0: Unstoppable, idealistic, and totally independent mind. Discover the it turns up bloody Five, four, three, two, one. The concept post truth is so popular at the moment that it's totally acceptable to disregard and ridicule facts, especially if those facts don't chime with how you feel. And as individuals, we are incapable of evaluating consequences. If it feels right, you just do it. Who cares about the facts? Well, I do. And here are the facts. This is the truth. Three days ago, fascist thugs, so-called patriots kidnapped me, burnt my car and threatened my family because I wouldn't respect the will of the people. And I understand it. Over the last year, I've gone on and on about Russian interference in the Brexit process, about the secret motives of billionaires who want to turn the UK into an offshore tax haven. But Russian interference, Russian money wasn't just in the boardrooms and the gentlemen's clubs and the think tanks. It was on the streets, it was in the pubs, it was on the terraces, and it was organised by social media. It was the Facebook post of the young woman in the headscarf just after the London Bridge attack. And it was telling you that she was planning the next atrocity, when in reality, she was just phoning her mum and telling her that she was okay. It's the voice in your head telling you that there's too many brown faces in the doctor's waiting room, when in reality, it is the immigrant doctors and nurses who are propping up the NHS. The so-called organic and spontaneous demonstrations so lauded by the right-wing press as examples of the indigenous population of the UK taking back control were in fact classic Russian election interference. They not only sowed discourse and division, they funneled money to thugs and murderers, and the very same thugs and murderers who threatened me and my family. Now, I... Apologize in advance for the quality of the sound of this recording. Well, you just have to stick with it. Hate me. Scream at the radio, if you will. But this is the world we live in
1: opposing the government and opposing the Conservatives. I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control. They want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the nature of the hard left. And of course we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any dissent. Who are the hard left, Well, we know who the hard left are. We're in the ascendancy within the the Labour Party who associate with the hard left. You just said that we were all right to right wing. The hard left agenda printing money, national without compensation, that sort of hard left wing position, hard the hard left to the hard left, and the hard left, the hard left, hard hard left, and the hard left, the hard left, the hard left, the hard left, hard left, the hard left, the the hard left, hard left, the hard left, the hard left, hard left, hard left, hard left, hard left, the hard left, the hard left, the hard left, left, the hard left, the hard left, left, the hard left, the hard left, hard left, the hard left, the hard left,
2: the hard left, 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 hard left, left, the hard left, the hard hard left, hard left, hard hard left, hard left, hard It's just Garaint and I, which is is quite (laughs) unusual for a movie episode, actually. Generally, Yair is here. Uh, He may have even watched the film. I don't know if he did, but he unfortunately can't make it. So Garaint and I will be delving into cinema today. However, it's with a twist. It's a very real politic kind of movie that we're discussing today. It stars a a great friend of the show. Right, Garaint?
3: Yeah, yeah, it does. The one and only Mr. Eddie Marson. A close
2: personal friend of all of us. Yeah, a great actor, a very nice landlord. (laughs) I was just remembering earlier how I got into a stupid argument with Eddie Marson in 2016. (laughs) When I went before... who didn't get in a stupid argument with Eddie Marson
3: in 2016? Yeah, that's probably true. That's basically what Twitter was for a good few months. There. I
2: think at that point in 2016, you know, it was maybe just a bit before the coup against Corbyn, and I was like, Eddie Marson, right. he's, he's, you know, he's kind of like a salt of the earth working class actor, he's collaborated a yeah. lot with Mike Lee, he's done various, like, Hollywood things, but often quite good stuff, like with Scorsese and stuff, not not yeah. in big roles, but you know, I liked Eddie Marson, I figured he was probably quite left-wing, yeah. and I got into a weird thing with him because like Ken Livingston had been shooting his mouth off in the media. It was the latest Ken Livingston scandal in like the first few months of Corbynism climaxing in obviously the Hitler reported Zionism scandal. Yes, uh, but, yeah, he, he dug himself a great. But he previously yeah. had one where he said that Kevin Jones, some right-wing dickhead MP, sounded depressed <laughs> when he was slagging off Corbyn. And Kevin Jones had come out and said, well, actually, in the 90s I did have a terrible episode of depression. And Ken Livingston, you know, was called upon by All and Sundry to apologise. And then there was another one when Dan Jarvis, our boy, Marine. J had been recei- Big job, exactly. Him. Had been receiving a shitload of money presumably for a prospective leadership bid from some hedge fund manager and Ken Livingston <laughs> I think actually had like a, a no it wasn't a Nazi allegory, it wasn't a Nazi one it was a, a paedophile allegory they're the main two types of allegory yeah.
3: you get these days Ken Livingston
2: yeah. said but this is like a children's hospital taking money from Jimmy Savile a Labour MP taking money from a hedge fund manager,
3: but a children's hospital did take money from Jimmy Savile for <laughs> several decades. Well, presumably, that was kind of a big thing. Well,
2: I think that possibly Ken was saying, you know, we should learn the lessons of history, as he so often does. Say, right. <laughs> he-
3: he, he reads the lessons of history, I'm not sure he comprehends the <laughs> lessons of history. <laughs> but there's been an attempt at some point, and that's where the problems have come from.
2: So, Eddie Marson was like, this is outrageous. Ken's out there comparing this man to a paedophile. He's just an honest bloke who has a bit of money, wants to give it to like some minor Backbench Labour MP for some reason, as you do, That's and then, perfectly normal behavior, yeah, 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 yeah. And Eddie was just kind of sticking up for him. It was just the kind of thing that we're seeing now about all the money that Keir Starmer's got from wealthy donors, which is just like, you look, you say that the donor is giving money to a politician to try and influence them, and so they get something in return, but hear me out, what if they're just nice? It's that kind of thing that Eddie was coming out with. And I was saying, look, yeah, okay, maybe Ken did go too far with the Jimmy Savile thing. But on the other hand, why is Dan Jarvis taking money from some hedge fund manager? Do we want big money influencing politics? Should a Labour mp really be appealing to someone in the financial sector and eddie was like yeah he seems like a nice bloke ah man so it just went on for ages because eddie was not aware of the idea of class solidarity i don't think i said class solidarity probably didn't know the term class solidarity but that was what kind of what i was trying to say was like look you know people have material interests but they give money to a politician and eddie (laughs) Marston was just like nah he's nice So that went on for quite a while. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Was this the same hedge fund manager that later just started donating to West Street instead?
2: Probably, I mean, who knows? There could have been a number of hedge fund managers <laughs> donating to yeah. Dan Jarvis.
3: There was definitely someone who was majorly funding Dan Jarvis's office, and then just gave up on him a few months after he wrote that awful new statesman piece. <laughs> it's and Jason then Cowley. After a few months, <laughs> yeah. yeah, a few months after that, just started donating like the same amount to West
2: Street <laughs> instead.
3: So they didn't really know how to pick a winner. Wow, yeah, know? that was after West Street and went from being a major irritant. To a more minor just sort of whiny guy on twitter oh. to then suddenly being like full-on anti-gorman again it like coincided exactly with him getting <laughs> that funding for his office he,
2: oh where's street man just the lowest of the low yeah <laughs> well anyway uh, so eddie martin are you a fan of eddie martin grind i mean let's separate the art from the artist here and everything
3: I think he's quite a capable actor. I've seen him in stuff where he's been good. Like you say, he's, he's mainly in minor or major supporting roles rather than being the main guy carrier. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, he's a but, character uh, you know, actor, but he's he's played a he, few leads at yeah, times. I think you certainly say he was a good character actor, but a lot of his yeah, we've discussed this briefly before. But a lot of his characters are based on pent up rage um, <laughs> and having encountered him on Twitter, you think. Okay, yeah, he's, he's very good at that sort of character and now I know why. Yeah,
2: partly the reason he gets these roles is his characterful face. You know, he's not got the face of a leading man, but he's got a face that no. you want in your movie somewhere, playing some kind of seedy character.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it's a good face for sort of seedy or sad-sat characters. It's a good face for the villain's top henchman, top local thug and this sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I do a, a lot with that, with that I face, mean, yeah. let's
2: just have this little quote from a Guardian interview of Eddie Marson as an example of how he has been typecast. My son was really excited. His dad was in Deadpool 2. Though the boys at school were like, your dad's a pedo. (laughs) 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 Which led to, Daddy, why do you have to be a pedophile? (laughs) Why can't you be a superhero? Unfortunately, I've got no control over that. The thing is, no one in this anecdote has seen Deadpool. <laughs> I've got no control over it. All the kids
3: just prefer Spider-Man, and that they're like, no, no that's an I can't go and see that. You know? But
2: unrelated, why is your <laughs> why is your your dad's a pedo? <laughs> <laughs> they literally just, like, the hard left. Just, like, they log on as, like, it homosexual. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all his
3: son's friends who are, like, 11, they're all hardcore real politicians. <laughs> all, they all fucking give their pocket money to Navarro or something.
2: There's actually there's another interesting bit in this same interview. Oh, shit, is this the interview that's fucking... No, this isn't the inter- No, this is the interview that was a roller coaster he says the thing yeah sorry where he says the thing about (laughs) paul wolfowitz not being a bad guy but instead being a man who believed in promoting democracies in other countries (laughs) democracy in other Uh, countries rather
3: both of those things are true and the one is why he's a bad guy (laughs) he was too
2: interested in it (laughs) he says hey look i don't think anybody wakes up in the morning and says i'm going to be evil today I played Himmler a couple of years ago, and even Himmler didn't think he was being evil. Wow, so he, he's played Himmler, yeah.
3: and he thinks he now understands Himmler. Uh, I've tried to get into Himmler's head enough to play him effectively in this role. He's like, no, it's a fact. Here's how Himmler's brain worked. I
2: know I've been him for 90 minutes on screen. You know, like- <laughs> well, probably for like 10 minutes altogether, because Eddie is not generally... The lead? (laughs) When I entered
0: acting, I entered acting having no um, academic qualifications whatsoever. I left school at 15. So I entered into a profession where I had no academic points of reference. Very early on, I learned that in order to be an actor, you have to embrace complexity. You have to, when you create a character, you have to find the contradictory elements of a character and hold them together to make the character real my work is about embracing complexity and embracing the paradox. So I began to enter into an education that wasn't an academic education, but was a visual education that's lasted for 27 years. And one of the main elements of it is not to be dogmatic, is is not to be binary, but it's to be open-minded and to accept other people's points of view. If I play Himmler, I can't play Himmler as a villain. I have to play Himmler as a human being. When I play Perez, Shimon Peres, I can't play Shimon Peres as a deified, um winner of the Nobel Peace Prize. I have to play him as a human being. So my whole education and profession is to, to, is to listen to different points of view and try to find the truth with it. And if people have a very binary point of view, I step back. I challenge it. And because I'm a moderate, but they often think that because they're an, ext- they're an ex- extreme or dogmatic, only they can be vocal. And I don't agree with that. I can be moderate, but I'll still have it with you. We'll have it on the cobbles, but
2: I'll be moderate. <laughs> I did see you getting into a bit of a spat recently over a picture of you as Himmler. He was probably really jealous, but he didn't get Hitler in that film. It's like, come on, come on, I've got just the face for it. I'll scratch it up, I'll go, no, 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 no. But instead, no, no, I would like to see Eddie do a whole film in German. But so basically, we've talked about the film Vice by Adam McKay on the show before. Yair and I have gone back to it a couple of times. In fact, we even called an episode Promoting Democracy in Other Countries. But yeah, uh, (laughs) Paul Wolfowitz was the Deputy Secretary of Defense in the Bush administration. Marson portrays him in that film. And he explains how he doesn't demonize in this interview. He didn't, quote unquote, in the words of the interviewer, get a whiff of sulfur as he took a closer look at the Bush administration. Even though the film Vice is literally just like, the Bush administration were evil. <laughs> it's yeah. like the most demonising...
3: Objectively were, in his how. Yeah, yeah,
2: it's like the most demonising film about the right in American politics that I've seen in ages. <laughs> it's not like that great a film, but it is explicitly just like, this was just an absolutely poisonous administration. So it's so funny that Eddie was just like in that film... Just like, yeah, yeah, these people are, you know, good guys at the end of the day. Now, in this interview, he also (coughs) is asked, you spend a lot of time arguing about Brexit on Twitter. One thing I like about you, Eddie, I do follow you on Twitter, and you are very (laughs)
1: vocal on Twitter. You like to get involved, right? I do. Do Does it ever get you into trouble? Do people ever sort of think, oh, Eddie, can you stop tweeting? Because I know you're very sort of politically charged. No, never. I think
0: because I'm quite moderate. I think because I'm quite... I'm not moderate. I don't I don't like dogmatism. I don't like anybody who
2: sees things in a binary world. This will (coughs) presage our conversation today, often with Corbyn supporters. He says, if you look at the far left, they know that people were manipulated and lied to over Brexit, but they don't support a people's vote. Yeah, that adds up, doesn't rather it? Rather than giving people the information and letting them make up their own mind, they would rather lie to them more because they take comfort in their ideology. It's more important to them than the people their ideology is supposed to help. He says that his wife thinks, that's the headline, that his wife thinks Twitter's his midlife crisis. Shout out to Eddie Merson's wife, come on the show. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like it would be a good fit, you get a good handle on it. Now, they ask him what projects he's working on in this interview. This was January 2019. He said that he's working mm-hmm. on a film called Feedback, where I'm playing a radio talk show host in London who's obsessed with Brexit and whose studio gets hijacked <laughs> by terrorists. It's sort of James O'Brien meets Die Hard.
4: He's a disgrace. Hello. People often ask me what I do during the commercial breaks to kind of hone my argumentative techniques, make sure I've got all my facts in line and in... Shut
2: up, we
3: you, stupid champ. Oh, also, he's explicitly drawn the James O'Brien comparison and inspiration himself. Oh,
2: yes, I was waiting for this film from the moment Eddie mentioned it in this interview. I was laying in wait, ready for spring. And uh, of course, this is the film that we're talking about today. Feedback.
3: A very, very unusual film on a number of levels.
2: So James O'Brien, when Eddie Marson said this and he was like oh great can't wait to see this he tweeted he you know tweeted it out <laughs> uh, <laughs> i'm sure I hope they
3: invited him to the premiere i'm sure he was I hope they invited him to the premiere and he pulled his face at several <laughs> points in the film the one face that he does The James O'Brien Reacts Head.
2: Yeah, James O'Brien basically told everyone to go and see this film, where the character, who's clearly based on him, turns out to be, spoilers, a rapist and murderer. So, (laughs) yay! Right? We all want to be portrayed on film as our best selves. Yeah, so, I mean, (laughs) just... When I was about to watch this
3: the other day, I put on Twitter, just like... I'm about to watch the film with the most terrifying blurb I've ever seen. Uh, I, I sort of tweeted the promo blurb is what the film about. And then the second picture was just starring Eddie Marsan as the <laughs> name DJ in the blurb. And the responses of several people who quite correctly said, based on that blurb and how it was promoted, isn't that just Alpha Papa, the, the, the Alan Partridge film from yeah. a few years back, where you know, it becomes a sort of mock action movie, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's it's not quite that. It, it is essentially a horror film, but the way it's promoted like that is so strange because it genuinely just comes across as Alpha Papa, but serious.
2: to yeah. fight off
3: the bad guys who come to get him in the studio.
2: I was so disappointed because when I heard the Irish accents. I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, we're back with that fucking film that had Jackie Chan and Pierce Brosnan. Like, we're back in that cinematic universe, you know? I was so hyped mm-hmm. to see what the the, the uh, cinematic IRA were getting up to. But it's, it's legends. Turns get out. Get Pierce
3: Brosnan back. as like the Thanos of uh, fucking, <laughs> um, <laughs> the IRA extended universe. Yeah. So these are just the phase one films, you know, <laughs> to bring the gang together. It's, it's really going to get cosmic in the next lot. Yeah,
2: it, it turns out that they've just got some kind of like personal grievance <laughs> about how like, well, Eddie Marson and his mate committed some really horrible crimes against women so i guess let's get to the less jarring bit of the film which is the opening how they set up the james o'brien eddie marson character
3: so they would clearly only been able to afford what's his name? Is it like Anthony Stewart Head, the guy who was like Giles in Buffy? Yeah, he was in. He was like yeah, in an episode yeah. of
2: Doctor Who as a, a demon headmaster yeah. back in the day.
3: I think they've basically been able to afford him for like a day's filming or yeah. something because he's just in in the scenes at book end the yeah. film, and that's it. But he's also clearly. Probably just shading Eddie Marsan as like the only well-known, really well-known actors in the film. Yeah, the other DJ as well, I guess, is 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 fairly high-profile. But they kind of blew their budget on that, really. I think. The world has
4: changed. We have to change with it. Oh shit! They kidnapped you. They beat you up. They burnt your car. My old one. They burnt your car to ashes. What more do you fucking want?
0: I want a bit of support.
4: Listen, your talk show. Uh, The grim reality is finished. Listen, but the people are frightened. The the technicians, producers, journalists, panelists. I have a pile of resignations on my desk. They're all shit scared. People are sick of it. Brexit, Brexit this, Brexit
3: that. Stay leaving out. Bullshit.
2: What the fuck? This film isn't even on Eddie Marson's Wikipedia page.
3: There's not a Wikipedia page for the film. (laughs) Uh, it, it, it can't have done well okay
2: yeah because i was like hyped for it like i say and man it just i didn't even realize when it came mm-hmm. out i only realized like a couple of uh, weeks
3: ago be... did it even get a uk cinematic release uh, i presume there'd been a couple of places running it but it
2: say on imdb uh well it played at fright fest in the uk but no it didn't get a uk cinematic yeah. release
3: <laughs> yeah it was essentially promoted Purely to like horror audiences, really. I think I don't
2: even know it's got a fucking UK VOD release. It's been on TV in Brazil, Colombia, and Mexico. It's
3: quite well rated on on Rotten Is it? Um, seventy two percent.
2: Bizarre. Bizarre, man.
3: Yeah, it's mostly lower-profile critics, if you like, but it's got a positive review from the LA Times. The movie is gripping from start to finish, largely
2: because of Marsan, who makes Jarvis both charismatic and complex. Well, I mean, I, I think that Eddie Marsan is probably the best thing about the film. I don't know if I'd agree with yeah, charismatic yeah, yeah. and complex. But... He makes it work just about as much as it does. Well...
3: If, if, if he had a, a proper shit actor in that role, it would be... Occasionally,
2: you'll get a film, and it's just like it's kind of a showcase for a good character actor that they wouldn't necessarily get to do in the bigger films where they play smaller roles, and that's probably the best thing about it. Is just that it gives Eddie some chance to chew the scenery, to stretch his legs out, to go. No, 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 no,
3: no, 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 in how he's getting to show you know anger and being fucking terrified <laughs> yeah. and panicking and then all these different things he just things, goes on twitter like, within, before he within does short the scene spaces with each other yeah <laughs> he just gets yeah. really method <laughs> each emotion is just him after one more reply you know when he thinks he's on top when he thinks he's losing when he thinks he's
2: got a good argument coming up they're like eddie yeah. eddie okay eddie um, action no 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 eddie this is not right he's like hang on hang on let me let me get on my phone and someone's just like corbin's good Alright, alright, roll, roll camera. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, 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 no,
3: They're just hovering pictures of Corbyn and Richard Bergen and that, like, just off camera, you know, putting them on when he needs to get angry.
2: Yeah, that is really funny.
3: Here's a review, that a critical review excerpt that I think Eddie would particularly be proud of. Positive review from a top critic, apparently, from Sight and Sound, his willingness to cover up and lie, his verbal gaslighting and bullying, and his ability to keep rising to the top no matter what horrors emerge from his history, make Jarvis a very Trumpian brand of human monster. (laughs) Sounds like James O'Brien to me. Yeah, I think maybe this is like a pen name for Eddie himself.
0: (laughs) I think we are all in Europe at the moment, and not only Europe, the world, the Western world is under the threat of populism and populism is um, simple lies being preferred to complex truths and Jarvis's opinion about um, the reason why, the, why his show is called The Grim Reality is because reality is grim and it's complex and it's messy and populism is when somebody would tell you that would prefer to tell you a simple lie than a complex truth.
2: I mean in terms of Eddie as an actor it has kind of come back round to where I actually really like seeing him in films again because for a while I was like oh for fuck's sake Eddie Marson that that dickhead off Twitter and now I'm like hey Eddie Marson that dickhead off Twitter (laughs) it's just a whole different kind of reaction that I have to him now it's uh, he's comfortingly familiar especially when he plays like some real kind of degenerate elements (laughs) society like apparently he's a newspaper editor and the gentleman who like fucks a pig or something like that the latest guy Ritchie film so that's that's perfect (laughs) casting the man's got range what can you say yeah man talk about range he's played both heinrich himmler and shimon perez (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> within the last few years.
3: I thought you were gonna say within the same film. No. oh, no, that would be a fucking double <laughs> up.
2: <laughs> he's played Bob Dylan as well. I watched that actually. It was on <laughs> it, was, oh, it was on this show at Urban <laughs> How Myths. How fucking conflicted were you? <laughs> I enjoyed it. That was probably when I was like, ah, okay, I kinda like Eddie Marson again. Yeah, he was quite good in it. It was just a little comic thing for that sky show Urban Myths, just like a half hour short mm-hmm. film. But he's a serviceable, reliable character actor, Eddie Marson. I've not seen him in the film Tyrannosaur. Is he the awful one in that? Uh, uh, Yes.
3: Yeah, that is uh, a bleak film. He's good in it, but... It's very much probably the biggest example of him convincingly playing an absolute monster.
2: He was in a film I thought was kind of underrated called God's Pocket, which is directed by John Slattery, who plays Roger in Mad Men. But Oh,
3: like, uh, yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, I think as, as far as I know, the only film Slattery's directed. But I mean, it's most notable because it's one of the last films that Philip Seymour Hoffman was in sort of urban crime film it's good just good to see hoffman there we go playing someone called smiling jack moran <laughs> <Eddie Marson character laughs> yeah alone. old smiling jack but yeah you know eddie <laughs> marson can't go through all his films he's been in many and a lot of tv stuff as well but eddie really lets rip in this one and we're introduced to his character in the first sort of 15 or so minutes and we get, yep. we get a taste of his radio show. It's quite
3: odd, isn't it, really, the way it's, it's pitched? It doesn't quite ring true as a UK political talk radio thing. You know, but... a lot of
2: people ha- have given up on facts these days. They say that it's the age of post-truth. And, you know, I personally think that people don't even listen to experts anymore. <laughs> he literally does say a load of shit like that, doesn't yeah, he?
3: Yeah, it's big David Aranovich energy yeah. I think, in that particular <laughs> bit,
2: yeah. Uh, and, and he talks a lot about Russia, and you hear in the background at the beginning, that's just all the, all the news, just talking like, uh, <laughs> Russia have denied involvement in hacking Brexit or
0: something. <laughs> 10 to 10, and we are
2: to What's he doing in my
0: studio? you haven't noticed, we're like fucking lepers at the minute, mate. It's fucking door. I had to book him for the 9 o'clock slot. Jarvis! (laughs) This guy...
4: This guy is good. Careful, you'll find yourself without a program.
1: Well done, mate. See you at the party. Fox fam, who was on a £99,000 salary, has resigned today, saying she takes full responsibility. It's just all this shit about,
2: like, Russia, a senior Russian diplomat, blah, 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 Brexit, blah, blah, blah. Yeah,
3: <laughs> and that, that's setting up where he's coming from. But, I mean, his political views in that first stage
2: of the film don't really have have any relevance to the rest of the no, film no i thought it was gonna be the, the, like russia we or brexiteers who attacked him yeah like that would make yeah. the most sense wouldn't it for him to actually
3: or it'd be at least someone with a stake in some of the things he's talked about that's angry specifically about that or something like that you know you thought it was gonna tie in thematically somewhere but i've kind of got a theory about this because if you removed that scene in particular from the film. It would make more sense if they were slightly more him and his co-DJ, that he's sort of getting the band back together, if you like, in the film. It would make more sense if they were almost like a sort of talk radio banter act sort of thing. Not political, but more your kind of human zoo sort of thing, taking the piss out of the news and maybe being Sort of populist right or centre left or something like that, you know, sort of James O'Brien at his most grandstanding. But with how the plot goes as well, obviously, spoilers again, it sort of ties back to a historic example of groupies going wrong, you know? Yeah. Uh, involvement with groupies while high as fuck and everything going really badly wrong. And like, I think it was it an award ceremony or something that traveled? Yeah, it was
2: after yeah the
3: awards. After the VMAs, in fact. They make a big point of saying it's the VMAs, right? Is that
2: product placement or what? Like, hey, do you want to be uh, in our movie as the place where they who, had the horrible <laughs> assault afterwards? Who the fuck is inviting James O'Brien
3: or someone in that line of work, even if he had like, <laughs> different political views, someone who does that sort of has that sort of presence in society, to the VMA Awards? <laughs> and who the fuck is like, Ah, oh, it's James O'Brien and his mate. Oh, my God. Let's go God. back to the hotel. Talk to me oh. about
2: how fucking stupid I am. Oh. <laughs> like Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess I got the sense that maybe he had gone political after splitting up with his previous co-host. because his
3: co-host certainly seems to be playing it a bit more as just sort of, you know... Oh, I'm just a charming Smooth lad scallion. on the radio, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Exactly,
2: yeah. He, yeah.
3: But it almost... Yeah, it almost seems like they were just envisioned as a sort of reasonably popular radio one moving on to radio two type duo or, or whatever the spanish equipment like kermode it,
2: and mayo who <laughs> i don't know yeah. that's radio five live obviously but that's like the only radio but duo i really know the
3: sort of dynamic in the sense it's a couple of people who've gone on the radio and people enjoy listening to them and their fans follow them to whatever radio station they go to and this sort of thing and maybe it's not as good when they fall out and split up and this sort of thing
2: yeah.
3: you're not really getting that from a james o'brien or a fucking like you know nick ferrari or some kind you know i mean he's got people who listen to him obsessively, but they're not advertising to the world, yes, I'm a Nick Ferrari superfan, I'm going to follow him everywhere just to hope to meet him. It doesn't work, and it kind of makes me think maybe the original original script was different. It's a reasonably low-budget film. It certainly doesn't seem to have had any sort of promotional budget or distribution budget either. Yeah. As I said, the, the only other big-name actor in it isn't in it for very long. Relative to the scale of the film, getting Eddie Marsan to be the lead is, is quite a coup. I'm wondering if this was maybe part of his conditions. I'm wondering if he's basically said, yeah, I like this, I like the dynamic of it with people trying to invade a radio station and and stuff coming out about this DJ that turns out to be horrible. But I want to change a scene near the start. I want to let my character say a bit about what he believes in. I want it to be more me. Yeah, I want it to be more me. I want to be talking about Russia and Brexit. I want it to be very now. (laughs) And perhaps he's not quite put, you know, we know on Twitter he doesn't often think through all the logical endpoints of his arguments.
0: I, I often have political debates on social media.
3: And I think maybe he's not put two and two together, like, yeah, I get to do that, and get to make him a cool... <laughs> Fighting Brexit guy like me and like all my favourite DJs. But yes, you can leave in the part an hour later in the film where he's just explicitly confessed to raping someone and killing people disposing of bodies, this sort of shit.
2: I can't see James O'Brien really enjoying when that comes out about his character. He gets away with it at the end. I mean Mm. the film I think is trying to say like, look, shitty men can just like get away with this stuff Mm. and do it. They're making a me too kind of point.
4: I like Jarvis. How, how the fuck could everything have got so out of hand? What do you want
0: me to say, Norman?
4: Yeah, yeah, I know. No. You cut to the chase? Ooh. A grim reality, they want it to come back. But, uh, but not just the radio, they, yeah, they want TV as well, syndication, everything. The sky's the limit as far as the money's concerned, and they've accepted all your proposals. Everything? The slots, the crew, the interviews. Maybe you can get Trump. The other thing, it was, I was all over the tabloids. I mean, all these girls saying, you know, that Andrew was always up to no good. I mean, who, who would have thought that? Is there anything else I should know? Should I be worried?
0: Oh, you got nothing to
4: worry about. I guarantee you. Well, then, you must be keen to get back to work. Yes.
2: I thought a thing about the James O'Brieniness of his talk show, the small glimpse we get as, as to what his show is actually like. The journalism is so much more, like, for real, so much more, like, on the ground and in the shit than James O'Brien's is. James O'Brien literally just, like, sits down at a desk and fucking, like, argues with people and just mouths off ill-informed bullshit opinions this guy he's got fucking secretly recorded tapes that he recorded himself of like (laughs) russian diplomats talking about how they did brexit he fucking gets like kidnapped by fascists and beaten up and like they burn his house down or something i can't exactly remember but they do like a load of shit like pro-brexit fascists are just you know really giving him a hard time it's just like his fucking journalism in this is everything that james o'brien's is not in that like He is an actual journalist?
3: Yeah. It's a really weird. It just doesn't quite match up with any part of the British media ecosystem, does it really, what's portrayed in in the film, even before he turns out to be a complete monster?
2: Here's what a person on IMDb, in fact, the top IMDb review says about it. Nine out of 21 people found this helpful. The creators, slash writers, slash director, probably wanted to play safe because feedback was pretty close. ...to be an amazing non-political slash revenge movie... ...but most likely afraid to due to the political correct frenziness. Also, it's really tiring and boring in another movie... ...to make references about politics and ideologies. The words Nazi and fascists have their quote-unquote honour again... And it's totally irrelevant to the plot, especially when the quote-unquote anti-Nazi characters are being accused of unforgivable and very horrible things. Right. Okay. For me, the issue is precisely the opposite. There wasn't enough of the politics in there. Like, even if it was really bad politics, I would have liked to have actually seen what this character gets up to why he is such like a threat yeah. to the amassed forces of like russia and it, nazi yeah. street thugs and so on
3: if it therefore revealed or at least hinted stronger with more of that sort of content and what motivates this guy or what nominally motivates this guy it would have been better reveals later on when you see the stuff he's got up to and maybe what really motivates him the, of what he's done and in terms of like the, the the fear of people finding out about it and this sort of thing would have been much more powerful if you had really any understanding of him as a character beyond a couple of scenes and one very catch-all political rant.
2: Yeah it feels so kind of weirdly lopsided the film the way that it introduces all these things about the character and then just goes straight into well like the genre set piece basically. I don't think it's thesis that Powerful men get away with horrendous, often sexual and violent crimes. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's not that it's the wrong message, it's just that it's done kind of ineptly, I thought. So what's the bit at the end? Like, his daughter, does she, like, refuse to speak to him? Understandably. Yeah. Because it's kind of like, yeah, (sighs) fuck this guy. Like, he's got to get away with this shit.
3: It shows quite clearly she's not just traumatised from being fucking held at gunpoint, kidnapped and all that. She's also fucking traumatised from she'd learned about a horrible dad? Yeah, you know? it's, it's um, an Irishman
2: situation. She's looking disapprovingly at her father, probably not saying yes. any lines either. Yeah, I definitely felt bad for her at the end because, like, fuck, mm. like, he should have been totally whacked at some point in it. But yeah, the way that Eddie sold it is like, it's like Die Hard. It's barely like Die Hard. He fights back at one point and then just gets absolutely fucked up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, I swear that the fucking hostage takers end up like all killing each other
3: i mean in terms of his successes over him what does he do he manages to shut a trap door on one of their hands at some point i think and that's <laughs> probably his, his biggest success you it's know just he,
2: like die hard
3: what he does manage to succeed in best, and best them it's not through fucking being an action hero it's through sort of desperate low cunning you know and that's how it's scripted that's how it's supposed to be it's Very, very much. Like Die Hard would be an extremely different film if you had the John McClane character played that way.
2: (laughs) And then if if it just turns out like in midway through Die Hard, it's just like Mm -hmm. that he's a rapist. Yeah, I don't think it's that yeah. much like
3: Die Hard, really. You do in Die Hard have the redemptive story of a cop who shot a kid Oh, and oh.
2: was traumatised oh, by okay, it. Oh, so okay, yeah, I see, I haven't watched Die Hard. It's not a million miles off. I haven't watched Die Hard in ages, you know. So, so it is yeah. very much a kind of genre exercise then. That's probably just how they pitched it to him. They were like, you know in Die yeah. Hard, where he's done the bad thing and then he's got to do the good thing as a redemptive thing, and Eddie's like, yeah... But he doesn't really do anything that good in this. Like I swear no, doesn't no. his for, for the guy who looks like Michael Walker, his assistant, doesn't his throat get cut? His partner in yeah. crime, he gets his head brutally stoved in with a big hammer. Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. <laughs> so what what does he do? Does he save his daughter? Because maybe, I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't really redeem himself. Like society just redeems himself for him. They're just like, oh, you're forgiven.
3: Yeah. I thought it was weird that he's basically shown out and about afterwards because obviously a big chunk of it is supposed to have gone out live on ah, the air. he covers We're this. We're showing chat rooms of people reacting like, is this real? Is it? Um, also,
2: the chat rooms, I thought the internet was down in the place. How come when his mate tries to go on the internet, he can't get on there, but then Eddie's got the chat room just scrolling on his computer? Anyway, they cover that because he says to his mate, like, listen, none of us will stand up in court because like they're under duress or whatever so you could just say oh we said whatever (laughs) And I guess all the people who'd want to find the case. I guess that the
3: people that survived that were involved were either now dead or they were clearly involved in the threatening him, which would make them less reliable witnesses. Exactly. Uh, I guess. But surely there'd be a fucking investigation into it. Yeah, surely. No need need to worry about that.
2: Well, that was clearly bullshit.
3: Talk to me, daughter.
2: He just made up that whole elaborate story on air. Yeah. His whole rant about Russia is so funny. Mm. He's just droning on like... People say that f- foreign interference doesn't matter, but I say that it does. Russia has violated our democracy, and we are at war. And if you think that foreign diplomats hacking the, the voting counts so that Brexit happens isn't an issue, then I have news to tell you that it is. It's just literally just like the most absolute drivel. He's so mad at Russia, it's like Mike Gapes tweets, Like it's, it's legendary.
3: Yeah, I think hearing hearing the the first the lines of it there just sort of come through, bad speakers through bad speakers removed like that, so he sounds a bit squeakier and, and sort of tinnier again, followed immediately by your impression of him, I really, really, really want to see Eddie Marsan cast as young Gapes. Young
2: Gapes!
3: I want, I want to see a documentary on how Gapes learned to fear and, and, and to fight back against the trots <laughs> Out on a full HBO miniseries about his political education not on the streets of Ilford why not old gapes man put on a
2: prosthetics
3: by the time gets made you know he could maybe pass as old gapes as well I think yeah and they can obviously do do, do 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 a re- <laughs> Irishman
2: de aging.
3: I was gonna say do it do a re- yeah do a reverse Irishman. Just make him old as fuck. <laughs> make him like Joe Biden old. Just like <laughs> fucking.
2: <laughs> Imagine gapes like Joe Biden old. Like and you have the, uh, uh um, um, uh, 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 uh water? Do you have corn pop? <laughs> <laughs> do you want water? No 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 I. I... <laughs> Cakes. <laughs> whether you have a red cake or whether you have a, 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 a green. Green cake. Sorry, I'm still looking for the Russia speech from the film. I just want to. I think it's about 13
3: minutes in. Yeah. I tweeted about it at the time. Was Biden not talking about milk recently?
2: Well, somebody said that that. Bernie wants a world without milk. Yes, it was something really bizarre like that. There was something else as well. There was definitely. Because I tweeted something about Biden being the candidate of Big Milk.
3: See, it's, it's like a shitposting account, though, and I don't know if it's like stuff he said in the past or if it's procedurally generated, Joe Biden oh, speeches. that right. says, Daily protesters, baffling, just baffling. What's the issue here? Too much milk? Not
2: enough milk? What is it? Do <laughs> so you mean uh, dairy protesters? He did actually. Da- dairy protesters, yeah. He was interrupted by dairy protesters. Protesters interrupted Joe Biden during his speech to chant, Let Dairy Die. Yeah. Also, there's this bit in the new Noel Gallagher song where he's like, And your problems are the size of a cow. And there's this lyric video that's out and it's so jokes every time. A cow pops up on screen. (laughs) (laughs) Right, what's Eddie saying about fucking Russia? Let's let's have a look. Post-truth is so popular at the moment that it's acceptable to disregard and ridicule facts. Especially if those facts don't chime with how you feel. Oh
3: my god, that's... Yeah, that's almost the facts don't care about your feelings. The facts don't care
2: about your feelings. Jesus. Three days ago, fascist thugs kidnapped me. (laughs) Well, they fucking obviously gave you back, didn't they? (laughs) It can't be...
3: Do you not think it makes the film weaker that he's been kidnapped before and he's got fucking experience in that sort of scenario? That's
2: why I was like, surely the fascist thugs will be back to get their revenge on him. Russian interference.
3: But the the character's intended to be scared and what what is gained from him having experience on what to do in a fucking hostage scenario?
2: Well he knows how to slam a hand in a door. Maybe that's how he got away yeah. from the fascists. He just slammed all their hands in doors. It's a weird decision, isn't it? They burnt his car and threatened his family. Because I wouldn't respect the will of the people. (laughs) (coughs) Over the last year, I've gone on and on about Russian interference in the Brexit process. Yeah, that was an off-camera remark that they went on. (laughs) what's he saying the secret motives of what he just used jeremy corbyn's offshore tax haven line about billionaires wanting to use brexit to turn britain into that (laughs) surprising he's actually learned something from his obsession over the left for a couple of years (laughs) shocking corbynism there from eddie yeah yeah but russian interference russian money isn't just in the boardrooms in the gentlemen's clubs in the think tanks it's on the streets it's in the clubs. It was on the terraces, and it was organised by social media. Hey, eh? eh? hey, <laughs> <laughs> am I right? It's so good to get a shout out in a movie. Yeah, it was clearly left an impact. I think it was the Facebook post of a woman in a headscarf, just after the London Bridge attack. It was telling you that she was planning an next atrocity, when in reality she was just phoning her mum and telling her she was okay. It's a voice. <laughs> in your head telling you there's too many brown faces whereas their doctors and nurses are propping up the nhs oh here we go this is like some fucking alex jones sandy hook crisis actors shit like listen to this for so-called organic and spontaneous demonstrations so lauded by the right wing so press cool. yeah exactly them well, that's what he's about to
3: ask. Big, big Vlad and Seamus teaming up again. <laughs> we were probably one very patient director away from getting like a Seamus Mill name check in that scene.
1: <laughs> in March, the spokesman for the leader of the opposition, Mr Seamus Mill, in a moment... And
2: Mr. Seamus Milne. Mr. Seamus I he, Milne.
3: I bet he tried to improvise some further stuff into the rant and had to be. I bet
2: they, I, this went on for hours. They so just had to really snip it <laughs> up. It was like a Castro speech where he was just there four hours later, like, and now another thing. <laughs> Hang on, what's he saying? <laughs> we're in fact classic Russian electoral interference. That's what those protests were, in fact. Classic. Russian electoral interference classic classic from a russia boys classic yeah
3: (laughs) i find when there's russian interference that's often the result of russian interference you know five uh, star russian
2: interference seminal russian interference yeah
1: the sustained campaign of cyber espionage and disruption i don't think we have even begun to wake up to what Russia is doing when it come, comes to cyber warfare. Not only their uh, interference, now proven in the American presidential campaign, probably in our own, own referendum last year. We don't have the evidence for that yet, but uh, I think it's highly probable. This has included meddling in elections and hacking the Danish Ministry of Defence and the Bund- Bundestag, among many others.
4: Better luck next time. Slugheads.
1: Back. It is seeking to weaponize information, deploying its state run media organizations to plant fake stories and photoshopped images in an attempt to sow discord in the West and undermine our institutions. So I have a very simple message for Russia. We know what you are doing, Russia, and you will not succeed.
2: They not only Black sow discord and division, the Russians, they funneled money to thugs and murderers, and the very same thugs and murderers who threatened Eddie Marson and his family. Okay. Yeah, so then he tries to play the tape that he's got of, like, I don't know, what's is, what is what's the tape that he's got? Is it sort of like some Russian being like, yes, yes, we did, we did uh, do Brexit, yes, yes, yes. I, uh, here is the evidence for it.
4: Claire's
0: just called some. Have you got the interview ready? Phil Collins has it. What?
4: Norman hates Phil Collins. He's never going to look there. Nice. The sound is shite, though, mate. Well, I was running away. What'd you expect? I don't know whether you're brave or <laughs> stupid, this is going to be nuclear, my friend. What do I know?
3: That's going to be the sequel. What's on the tape? What, what's on the tape? <laughs> they try and get to the burnt out ruins of the studio. It's just the
2: audio for Donald Trump piss tape. <laughs> 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 you, just, you just put it on, <laughs> all you can hear is just...
3: <sighs> it's just his favourite album by the fucking Cranberries or someone that he listens to in the car on the way to the show. <laughs> <And> <laughs> uh... There's a rule that all successful DJs hate music
2: in Britain, at least <laughs> so in his office this is fucking hilarious he's just got like post-it notes and newspaper cuttings all over his wall like a fucking serial killer lair it's like yes. Uh, yes. Like in, I recently watched the film One Hour Photo where Robin Williams <clears> plays <throat> the creepy loner who's like stalking a family and he's got an entire wall just covered in pictures of this family and that's literally what Eddie marson has got he's just got yeah. and the, the, the headlines They're all just like, Brexit betrayal, Britain's divided. (laughs) It's all like from the Daily Mail and shit, I guess.
3: But you could say that's the first sign that actually he is not right, you know?
1: Yeah.
3: (laughs) Obsessive, sad man, you know? Yeah. Uh, The speech is more just, that's what what the actor playing him literally thinks. But that's maybe a hint, like, no, this guy's a prick even with his politics. But, I mean... (laughs) I think the, the use of the studio is quite strange. In some ways, it's quite effective because obviously they get a lot of use out of having shots where you know, they see into the producing booth and, and vice versa. But it also establishes like the overall layout of the building as well, doesn't it, at the start? It, makes, it takes great pains to establish that, that you've got these little almost plush corridors underneath which then sort of come into play while it's trying to escape. It. And it's weird because for some reason there is... I mean, what can only really be described as like it literally is a fursuit. Um, is, is, it, is it the producer guy who dies later on is like in it for some reason at oh, the start yeah, of the yeah, film?
2: Yeah, his daughter and the other guy are dressed up in fursuits at one point. Neddy comes down and he's like, Enough of this! You stay away from my daughter, you bastard! <laughs> you yeah, furry yeah. bastard!
3: And then, <laughs> and then later on, when they're fucking trying to escape and they're sort of going back through that previously established set uh, later on in the film. The fursuit's just sort of sitting there empty, isn't it? Yeah.
2: You know, still there. Full of God um, knows what
1: fluids. Yeah, so it's like... That's the great Samuel S. coming this evening at midnight. And of course, not to be missed, the borderline furry animal costume party. And if you have any other plans, I think you should cancel them.
3: Again, is that a subtle, oh, this guy's a prick in that, like, no, he's, he's kink-shaming his daughter <laughs> and, and the producer? Because it's, it's not just like it's, it's a big comedy mascot suit or anything like that. Oh, this is what they use to promote the show or, or something stupid like yeah. that. It's like, no, that, that's literally a fursuit. why is it there why is it in what is otherwise portrayed as quite a slick london recording studio
2: you know you gotta have the fursuits man just eventualities might ensue you know you never know what you might need Mm -hmm. a fursuit for Maybe the masks that the people have got, maybe they are just something also lying around the studio. They've got all sorts of costumes, you know, the masks that the terrorists have got. They're not really terrorists, though. Does this count as terrorism? It's not really a political attack. It's more just like violent crime, in my opinion.
3: It's it's, it's a vengeance sort of vigilante attack, except there's obviously three of them, you know?
2: Yeah, exactly. That's not my idea of terrorism, man. I don't think no. they're, they're very good terrorists. They're actually not good. They're not good at what they're doing. They mess up many times. They don't have a stomach for it. I swear only the young woman is really committed to it in the end.
3: They should have had the furries as, as like a third faction. <laughs> The, come in halfway through and just like nah you're all fucking dicks <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't condone any of your methods
2: well, like, in, like in Anchorman when the rival yeah. factions of newsmen start like just beating the shit yes. out of each other in the streets just the furries come in it's like the furries yeah. versus the mask people versus the civilian clothed talk show radio jocks
0: I think, I think the world is changing at an incredible pace of change and the pace is increasing We can now send an email and it can instantaneously go to China or America or New Zealand and data is being transferred within a a split second. Because data is being transferred at a split second, the world is changing at an incredible pace of change. People who are, people like me and Ivana, we can ride this wave of globalization. She flew in from LA last night, I flew in from London, I work in America but I live in the UK. We can ride the wave of globalization and benefit from it. But there's many other people, poorer people, who will be flooded by the wave of globalization. But the thing is that globalization and change, it it, it isn't a conspiracy, it isn't a, a policy, it's an inevitability because of communication, because of the advances in the world. The challenge that we have to meet is how to enable as many people as possible to reap the benefits of globalization, but you can't stop globalization. It's, just, it's like trying to turn off Google or turn off Apple or turn off communication. You can't. And what populism will do will offer regressive solutions to this. It's kind of similar to Islamic fundamentalism. It's a rejection of the modern world, because the modern world is fast, it's changing, It's always challenging the orthodoxies that we live by.
2: It's not the worst film about a talk radio jock I've seen recently. The worst was a film starring Steve Coogan called Hot Air, where Coogan played a right-wing American talk show host who learns to appreciate the finer things in life by bonding with his liberal mixed-race niece. Sounds great. Terrific film. No, it's the worst thing I've ever seen. Steve Coogan's American accent. God bless...
3: God bless Steve Coogan, but when he tries to act in stuff that isn't comedy. I see a,
2: yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't is know. It, is it a I comedy? It
3: might be, but like, it, it's, when it, he turns it's a into bad comedy. Roles,
2: it's, a ba- it is it's not a like comedy, you're watching yeah. it
3: thinking this guy's a terrible actor so much as he just seems to pick terrible films to appear in yeah. outside of comedies.
2: I think probably Steve Coogan has done better dramatic films than that comedy which was i'm sure it has real yeah. real shit and and really the politics in that felt even more incidental than the politics in this which, as we say, really do feel pretty incidental because yeah. they're largely just in the first 15 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking fursuits. Oh, man, I'm, I'm just loving... I'm just going through and just looking at all the shots of James O'Brien's serial killer wall. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> he's got it colour-coded. There's the blue post-it notes. Then there's the green post-it notes. Then there's the orange post-it notes. And I just wonder what, what do the three sections signify? Because... In the close-up shot, you only really get to see the green ones, but the headlines in the green ones are just like, Brexit betrayal! (laughs) (laughs) All right, there's a couple more that you can see on the wall. Right, he's got... He's got... Oh, like... So, again, this is a proper serial killer thing. All the serial killers have... Well... uh, in movies that i've seen <laughs> yeah <laughs> they all they all have the clippings of about them from the newspaper and indeed yeah he's got there's one that says dolan kidnapped dbo star dbo is like lbc isn't it mm-hmm. dbo star jarvis dolan abducted brexit it for <laughs> this is one jarvis dolan uh, massive gap has been kidnapped i don't know what they've got in between where they've put the brexit it for thing in between those then there's another one mi6 spy poison (laughs) is that about a real thing and there's one which i can't read something about a pint of fizz Right. A pint of fizz, man. Have you ever thought about what Brexit is going to do to the fizz trade? And you have that's the distinguishing. fizz that is taken from... <laughs> See, this this is distinguishing the character of Jarvis
3: Dolan from the man, Eddie Marson, who is famously not a fan of pubs.
2: Oh <laughs> Yeah, of course. Because you go to pubs and then the next thing you know, you're just beating your wife. That's that's just how it goes down. Like It's just one thing after the next. You have to drink to violent blackout if you go mm. to a pub. That's British working-class culture, that's the way it is. And it's understandable yeah. why Eddie prefers dinner parties.
3: You literally can't stay in a pub for more than 10 minutes without turning into like a Larry lad time. It's it's physically impossible, it's it's
0: part of human's work,
2: yeah. <laughs>
0: I don't have this romantic view of the working class uh, because when I grew up in a council estate, there were lots of people who were really horrible. <laughs> And when I've worked with much more privileged people than I, than I am in, in, in the acting world, who've been incredibly kind. So I don't have this preconceived idea of the working class hero and the upper class, you know, the many, in, I don't buy all that. I'm a great believer in meritocracy. I believe that people should have the ability to fulfill their potential. People, I judge people by their character, not by their class. But one of the things you have to do is create a meritocracy as much as possible, an equal playing field.
2: Eddie Marson, what a gu- what a fucking guy! Ah, uh, I wonder, I wonder if he's got anything coming up on the horizon for any really notable new films that might be opposite to real politics. Let's have a look. All right, here's a thing in the film. This is kind of, again kind of a pedantic thing, but the guy who looks like Michael Walker <laughs> puts mm-hmm. Eddie Marsan's top secret tape of a Russian confessing to Brexit on. A little fucking memory stick, just a small one, call uh, which he writes Phil Collins on. Because the other guy who <laughs> works there hates Phil Collins, and he's never going to look at that. And it's like, how many Phil Collins records can you fit on the little fucking memory stick, you know? Like, is it just the best of Phil Collins in this scenario? You've got to have your story worked out, is what I'm saying. Like, if the guy is like, oh, really? Phil Collins is terrible, but if you're such a fan of his may have you got the full discography on that little memory stick because that doesn't seem proportionate i'm do- i'm covering all bases yeah I think they're basically... They should have thought of this when they were writing it. To be fair,
3: when I had, like, a tiny fucking student radio show on our incredibly unpopular student radio station <laughs> when I was at university that had only just started up and was run on an absolute shoestring. Yeah. So I just had, like, a, a sort of one-hour music show once a week, and I would yeah, have my fucking USB stick that I'd transfer all the tunes on that I was going to play and that sort of thing to get them on the system and this sort of thing. Mm. Now, I would carry that around. Just in case, I would always make sure that as well as my fucking songs I had on it that I'd used on on previous shows and that, that I always had a couple of suitable songs in case thatcher died <laughs> like, while, while, or just before i was on air that's excellent Like <laughs> absolutely sure that you had fucking a new face in hell or something but a fall on within like five <laughs> minutes of it breaking never actually came true until just after i graduated so the, the show had long finished by then but uh, yeah it's a really i was re- i was ready if it had happened earlier <laughs> so th- there's something to be said for disproportionate spite and, and grudges
2: or well, a really cracking anti-Thatcher song is that song that Ryan Jones got mm-hmm. me into which is called I Want to Kill Somebody, and it's by the band Smash. And, uh, yeah, the end chorus is just like, (laughs) Margaret Thatcher, John Major, I want to kill somebody. Yeah, great song. (laughs) Rocks really hard. Agreed, yeah. See,
3: when I was looking up what films Eddie Marsan was making recently, you know when you Google something and it comes up with Google underneath the first couple of results has questions that people are asking and it tries to sort of figure out what you might ask? And usually it's picking the wrong bits of articles to try and answer them, and it's a bit strange. So yeah. you've got the normal ones on here that you'd get. you'd Imagine if you Googled him, where it's got, where is Eddie Marsan from? How old yeah. is Eddie Marsan? And some questions relating specifically to the series Ray Donovan that he's got a major role in, of course. Yeah. But the first question of all of them is, does Eddie Marsan really have Parkinson's? <laughs>
2: Play some Parkinson's.
3: So his character in Ray Donovan, which I've not watched, has Parkinson's at some Uh, point. I see. But the question is specifically, does Eddie Marson have Parkinson's? Not, does his character...
2: Wait, I I saw on his IMDb that he's worked with Woody Allen, and I was wondering what film that was. It turns... It's not on his Wikipedia. Turns out it was in Matchpoint, which is that that weird murder mystery that Woody Allen did. I say weird because he cannot write English dialogue it's such a stiltedly written i mean woody allen can't write american dialogue anymore but i mean it's just (laughs) but this is even weirder for way that people talk in match point i can't remember who eddie is in that one sadly
3: okay so in terms of upcoming films he's in a a star-studded
2: oh a rainy day in new york the new woody allen film oh wow he's worked with a great auteur again eddie's really good no he's not actually in woody allen's next film (laughs) sorry so
3: there's this film like emperor action epic about a young girl who seeks revenge on the holy roman emperor charles v for the death of her father does he play the holy Holy roman emperor no he has sixth or seventh billing there's a fair few reasonably big names in it playing the pope playing philip ii of spain eddie marsan is playing martin luther (laughs) so we might have fucking marsan joining spice crew to try and get into the role i think you know
2: (laughs) Oh, no. See, I, I thought someone... I was... Rutger Hauer as John the Constant. This
3: is actually a great cast list. <laughs> I want to see this absurd film that's in post-production
2: at the moment. <laughs> No, I thought he said that he'd never actually seen Matchpoint, but he was saying that he'd never seen London Boulevard. But I was thinking, what, if he's never seen Matchpoint, did somebody just like make up that he'd work with Woody Allen to like smear him? <laughs> 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 just like, yeah, yeah, Eddie, Woody, great friends, you know. <laughs> yeah, totally. They've worked together loads of times. Oh, what films have Eddie in? Uh, he's in Matchpoint. He's uh, yeah, he's in Annie Hall. He's he's big role in Annie Hall. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which, I, I had a tab open for ages, which is just Google results for Eddie Marsan pedo. <laughs> <laughs> for fuck's sake, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Sorry, what were you going to say?
3: <laughs> so another film, I thought it was a lead role, because I'm reading it. It's called The Virtuoso. And I was reading the blurb, and it's all like, a lonesome stranger, secure, nerves of steel, just track down and kill a rogue hitman. And he's cast in it as the loner. I thought was that the lead. But no, there's someone else who's, who's playing the virtuoso in it. So I reckon he might be the rival assassin in that.
2: He's in the Red Riding trilogy. He is like a shithead journalist, which I thought was yes. quite an apt Oh, role. that's right.
3: Yeah, he, he was the, the jaded old fucking cunt hack journalist. Yeah, he's the, just the, a
2: uh, real slimy The younger bastard. guy
3: actually trying to, yeah you would become your fucking local journalism sleaze guy, you know? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. He was in this film that Mike Lee did, I think, like, either around the time of or specifically for the 2012 Olympics. It's not complete shit from my recollection. But, yeah, Eddie played a dodgy East End car dealer in that. I'd, qu- I'd quite like to rewatch that maybe because it's only 35 minutes and yeah, nice little Mike Lee thing. Obviously, I mean we've mentioned this on the show before, but like the definitive Eddie Marsan role is definitely Happy Go Lucky by Mike Lee. Yes. Which, Pure unadulted master. Oh, yeah. man, yeah, he's such an angry bastard in that one with such <laughs> noxious views. <laughs> ah, he's done a film with Mel Gibson. <laughs> Legends club. Mel Gibson's club. beard is massive these days, man. When you're really
3: taking a principled stand against that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. on the left.
2: just like, well, you know, the thing is,
3: <laughs> as I was saying to my good friend Mel Gibson <laughs> the other day, between takes, what, what
2: what's like the uh, promoting democracy in other countries equivalent for Mel Gibson? You know, he just believes in um legitimate promoting genocide
3: in other <laughs> countries,
2: <laughs> promoting
3: and other historical ages. You
2: know? <laughs>
0: Can I help you, sir? Uh, Yes, I'm here to see the superintendent. Are you expected?
4: Uh, No, I came on impulse. Uh, I'm James Murray. Played by Mill Gibson. Uh, I'm a friend of Dr. Minor's, yet only through the post. Dr. Minor?
0: The superintendent? Aye, aye. I came to bring him this. Fruit of our labor. I know you are, sir. I posted all the letters for it.
2: I licked the stance myself.
1: Oh, thank you
0: for your mother tongue.
2: Yeah, I'll see what I can do. He's in a film called Their Finest, which looks awful. It's, oh yeah, Bill Nighy, Gemma Arterton, in front of a Union Jack with like um, RAF planes and like uh, British Navy ships and uh, a younger lad Shit. looking suave And she's holding a clipboard um, and... Oh right, she works on a film Celebrating England's resilience As a way to buoy a weary populace's spirits Now, I believe That that is called propaganda uh, <laughs> When our enemies yeah. Make propaganda We're very open about calling it propaganda And there's nothing wrong with propaganda It's just a description of something Yeah, that looks awful Yeah <laughs> <laughs> great cast though got all the British people in it Eddie Richard, Literally everyone Richard E grant Jeremy irons yeah I mean so do we have anything more to say about Eddie Marson about this film about I don't know anything really
3: I would say simply keep the first suit close for protection in case the studios invaded in future sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. Well, there is to say on that film, really. Anti Russian uh...
2: counter revolutionists might storm into our studio and get us to just do Eddie's terrible anti Russian speech. Or he's like, I wish they had rallies, and this yeah. is classic Russian electoral interference.
3: I just wish they'd got the chat room a bit more accurate to online shit posting in the various groups, like, had a few more convincing oh, yeah. sort of. UK gammon voices, and then he'd maybe have shit posters with anime avatars, just calling him Darvis Uh
0: We seem to be having some trouble with the audio files, so while we're getting that fixed, let's have a look at some of the um, hate mails, emails, to prove my theory that you guys listen to this show to get pissed off and to hate me. Now, the first one here is "suck my dick" at yahoo.com. Yes, "suck my dick." Well, "suck my dick" says. The good people of England have the right to defend themselves, defend our borders, our children, England first, you stupid, wealthy, liberal... Well, even I can't say that word on air. If you hate this country, go and live in another one. Are you aware of what they want to take away from us? This isn't going to end up well for anybody. So stop playing the fucking fool and devote yourselves to screwing up the lives of celebrities like you always... Do. Shit, shit. Well, that's... Shit, because celebrities screw up their lives all by themselves.
3: You know what, that's one... (laughs) They're
2: they're the missed opportunity. That's one thing that I can address before we shut down, is that I can just have a look to see if they show any of the shit posting at any point. Because you can see it kind of (laughs) flowing away on his computer at one point. Yeah,
3: I think you can see a few, but it's all quite generic. Like, is this fucking real? And all this sort of thing, like as revelations are coming out, if I remember.
2: But if, you know, if they were really gifted filmmakers they'd like sneak a really funny one in there it's too fucking small god damn it time to hit the magic enhance button that they have in movies <laughs> i can't really read any of it i don't know there's just some cunt banging on in all caps basically i think one of them t- sends in coward maybe but i can't really read
3: If I remember rightly, it's mostly quite generic stuff. The stuff that's visible, just people saying coward or legend or fuck off. And as revelations come out, what the fuck? You know, what's going on? Yeah. This is a wind-up. It doesn't ring true for online. There's no complex shitposting reactions or, like, (laughs) absurd people posting their unrelated pet cause. That's crazy shit that's going down.
2: Yeah, I just think it would have been much better overall if the terrorists had been, like... -hmm. Hard left trolls or Russians or fascists or all three. Yeah. If it had been just like some people who Eddie had got into a scrap with on Twitter and decided to kill him because he just owned them so badly with logic then I would have understood that. That would have been a great watch. But, alas... I mean, there's just one more thing I wanted to say, which was that I watched an actually good film with a kind of similar premise. Um, it's belt. not... Watching good films. That's not in the spirit of today's episode. <laughs> it's not uh, about a siege or a hostage situation at a radio station, but it's a radio station nonetheless. In fact, it's quite literally called Talk Radio. Uh, It's a film that Oliver Stone, real politic favourite Oliver Stone, made during the 1980s. I think 88. It's written by and starring Eric Bogosian, based on his own play, which in turn was based on the life of this American, he was a kind of like Jewish, liberal sort of talk show host. Liberal, but you know know what talk radio Mm -hmm. guys are like. Very obnoxious and reactionary in a lot of the stuff he said. Alan Berg, uh, he was killed by Nazis in 1984, or a Nazi as it's depicted in talk radio. In fact, there's a Joe Esterhas written film by Costa Gavras called Betrayed, which starts with an assassination of a kind of obnoxious liberal Jewish-American talk show host based on Berg by a group of Nazis, but it's just one guy in talk radio. But yeah, not the whole film, but a large portion of the film is just set in the studio in his last <laughs> night on air. Before he's assassinated. And it's so tense. You know. They've got all this conflict. Like the the big corporate buyers have bought him out and they want him to tone down his shit but he's committed to keeping doing the same show and so there's all that professional stuff and there's some personal things like his ex-wife comes down to support him and then there's constantly like these nazis calling him up and saying anti-semitic stuff and at the same time there's all these people calling up and more understandably being like why are you so horrible to everyone (laughs) why do you spend your time (laughs) just like belittling people because he really is like james o'brien in that he just constantly just makes everyone feel bad about themselves and turn it around. And so this is why you're yep. a worthless piece of shit and I'm the smart one and you're insulting me by paying my wages by talking to me on my radio show. hearts
3: um... and minds, gotta turn that 48 52% split into one the other way yeah man. And definitely the best way to do that is calling literally everyone that doesn't think you're brilliant stupid
2: yeah exactly so yeah I would much more recommend watching talk radio for a good film about talk radio than I would recommend watching feedback of Eddie Marson I know Eric Bogosian is kind of back in style at the moment because he's in Uncut Gems which is a great movie Yep. So yeah, this is like a rare chance to see the man in a lead role in a film that he also co-wrote. Any... Wait, has Oliver Stone worked with Eddie Marsan? That's the question. Question for the ages. Uh... <laughs> I mean, I know he's not of a kind of credible non-crank filmmaker like Mel Gibson. But... In- imagine
3: if that happens, and he goes from making films about interesting potential historical conspiracy theories to like yeah. Martin Waplington's story and, and <laughs> <laughs> investigating like absolute Remainer crank
2: theories. <laughs> to be honest i reckon oliver stone hates the eu
3: i don't think he has any connection with oliver stone no no he's not
2: done any oliver stone movies like the adam mckay movie vice was a little bit oliver stone-esque i mean uh mike lee's probably just as left-wing as oliver stone even if they make films about Mm. different stuff but yeah i guess mike lee's films aren't like polemics yeah
3: it's easier to be like oh you know it's just more about investigating these characters and their lives and so on it's easier to probably pretend that the sort of stories might they present are not as widespread as they are
2: all right this is going to be one last thing there's a series called Criminal Justice that aired on BBC a few years ago. I've not seen it, but Maxine Peake is in the first series is this woman who's accused of a murder. They, re- yeah. they kind of remade it in America where Riz Ahmed plays the character who's accused of a murder. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. John Turturro in that plays the lawyer who represents him. It's quite interesting because originally the show was going to star, the American version was going to star James Gandolfini. Then he died... So he's credited as an executive producer on the series, but posthumously Mm -hmm. so. And then Robert De Niro was going to do it, but he dropped out due to scheduling conflicts. So John Turturro was like the third actor to do it. So I love John Turturro. He's one of the best actors in Hollywood, but like, well, he's probably in New York, but I was watching it thinking, what would James Gandolfini have been like in this role? You know, what would De Niro have been like in this role? Especially because the whole thing is that he's got like some gross Foot eczema condition. The whole time he's just wearing sandals where his feet are just like peeling horribly, and you know the skin. And essentially, nice. what I'm saying is, I wonder if Any Martin was playing the guy with the horribly peeling feet in Criminal Justice.
3: Again, play what you know. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you very much.
0: That fucking get back to work.
2: <laughs> Alright, well on that image, let's leave everyone. <laughs> yes. Hell yeah. Alright, well, thank you for listening everyone. This has been Real Politic on Feedback starring Eddie Marson. <laughs>
4: people, it's crowdsourcing.